0: Said, are you ready to get in the word this morning? Get your Bibles out because you brought your Bibles to church. Amen. While you're getting your Bibles out, I want to say this to you, and you're going to hear this from me from now on. As long as there is breath in my body, you are going to hear this statement from me. If you do not have a Bible, get a Bible. Well, Pastor, I have my phone and my iPad. That is not a Bible, that is a phone or an iPad. Do me a favor, will you turn on the next set of lights for me, real quick? see if we can get it. Amen. The, the next set of lights, the preaching lights. Amen. Because I'm missing some lighting up here. Uh, we have got to become a Bible-believing church, not a opinion-believing church. Man, why are y'all so quiet this morning? Am I preaching horrid? Am I saying something wrong? Are you offended since I said to bring a Bible? No. We have got to become a Bible-believing church. And let me go as far as to say this. You should not only bring your Bible, but you should bring a notepad and a pen or pencil. Because you you, oh, we'll get the tape. I don't do tapes. And if I don't post it on the app, you need to know what you believe. You need to know what you receive. And you need to go and eat on that word all week. You need to go and feed on the word. Stop feeding on Sundays. You're going to starve to death. But we, if we are a Bible-believing, Bible-declaring church, we should have an importance on the word of God. And we should believe that the word of God is what changes us, is what shifts us, and makes us better than where we were. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to become a church that carries its Bible. If you need a Bible, I'll buy you a Bible. If you really can't buy yourself a Bible. If you're just lazy and don't want to go buy yourself a Bible, I'm not buying you a Bible. But if you really need a Bible, I will give you a Bible. I will, I, I will find a Bible for you today and bring it to you because I believe in the word that much. It is time that the church gets back to the word. So here's where we are. Last week we started a series called Where Has the Church Gone? And before you get into this space and going, Pastor, we're right here. The church is right here. It's time out for a second. Time out for a second. The church does not look like the book of Acts. Y'all look at me. You know why, you know why most people look at me when I say that? Because most people don't even know what the book of Acts says about the church. Most people attend church and build their own ideas of what the church is based on the flow of the service rather than what Scripture declares the church to look like. And let me help you with something. Jesus, God himself, gave the apostles the design of what the church was to look like. And over time, we have adapted our own opinions, emotions, and feelings as to the way the church should look. And no wonder people are leaving the church. And I said this to my wife last night because the church is no different than the world. It's just a box where a bunch of people show up and claim God, but don't actually live God. And I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying the church globally, where church services have become light and fluffy. I was sitting back in the staff with the staff this morning because they were back there with me. And I said, I said, this morning, it's going to get a little tight. And, And Kirk came and said, Pastor, stop apologizing for it being tight. The word of God is tight. It's just tight. And you should never be apologetic to to declare its tightness because the word of God should bring change to you, not always bring comfort. Sometimes this word is a rock. Sometimes it's a sword. Sometimes it's a pillow at night. But whatever it is, you got to let it do its job. And, 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 And I have seen for years, I have watched churches become light footed in the gospel because they wanted to be relevant. They wanted to be popular. So last week we started with where has the church gone? And while I believe that the church is still here today, I don't believe that this is the church that God intended us to be. Pastor, what are you saying? We got more to do. We got work to do. And if you think that it's about sitting on a Sunday morning in your church service and calling that being the church, you are sadly mistaken because the church has to come come in one accord together and celebrate and then go out and do the work. Well, I believe that the church is still here today. I don't believe the church is what God intended us to be. Us, you and me, us. Not the preacher and his entourage. Us, not the staff and those on the platform. Us, you and me. Where has the church gone? The plan for the church that God intended was launched on the day of Pentecost. Launched on the day that the Holy Spirit came. Launched with power. But maybe the question I should be asking is, not where has the church gone, but where has the power gone? Where is the power you, look, do not listen. Listen. I, I'm 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 edgy today, so just bear with me. Buckle your seat belts. Pull your big boy pants up because we're going for a ride. I'm edgy right now because when I say where's the power, everybody goes. Somebody say power. Power. See, some people got it. Some people whispered it, and some people didn't say a word. Yeah. Oh, power. <laughs> pa- Pastor said, say power. Power. There's that also there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. Okay, I grew up with stuff like that, right? And and you can't go there is power power wonder working power. You'd be like, dude, what is wrong with you? The church does not declare the power of God anymore. It declares the feeling and emotion. No wonder we have a hard time right, divi- rightly dividing the word of God. Because let's be honest, this is not power. This is a good fictitious book. No wonder we got to write books that put it in novel form so that we can understand it rather than getting a righteous heart and a right spirit and walking into the presence of God and then reading our word and trusting that God will speak to us through revelation through what the Bible declares as rhema and give our spirit man revelation. There is no translation you can't understand unless you choose not to understand it. Oh, it gets tighter. It gets tighter. It, gets, it just gonna keep coming today. I don't know why. Just here it comes. Where are the signs and miracles and wonders? Where is the desire for more time with God and not a time to Sunday service? Well, if you don't get them out an hour and a half, they're not coming back. You gonna hate heaven. I mean, you gonna hate it. There is no chilies. There is no nothing. You ain't getting snow. There is nothing. You're like, Pastor God, can you hurry up with service? I got to go eat lunch. No, you'll already be fed, and you'll be in the throne of grace, and you won't have a clock to look at, so you might as well start operating. That doesn't mean I'm going to three- and four-hour services, so slow down. But what I am saying is we're so quick to go, hurry up. We got things to do. you, what you need to do is take the time to hear from God. What you need to do is take the time that God's given you on this moment and be excited and expectant that when I go to the house of God, I'm going to receive a word from God. And so however long I've got to stay there until I get it, I'm willing to stay. Where are those who will declare and decree the word of the Lord and not their opinions and feelings? Have we lost sight of the ark? (sighs) If you read your Bible, any time that God led his people, the ark of the covenant always went first. In other words, the presence of God went before them. What's leading us in this hour? Opinions, emotions, feelings, time. Time is the Lord's. Can I say that again to you? Time is the Lord. Stop acting like you own it. Because if you keep acting like you own it, God will give you enough time to where you fall on your knees and find out what it's like to lose time. If you don't believe it, I went to jail four times because God, I kept telling God I own time. God says, okay, I'll put you in a space where you find out who owns time. Don't think that some things don't happen because God's not trying to get your attention. Have we lost sight of the ark that carries the presence of God? Are we being led by his spirit in this hour? Where are the ones that refuse to be the silent minority but become the vocal majority? I want to share something with you for just a moment. I, man, this has been in my cross base all day yesterday, all day today, and I'm going to say it in this room. Last Yesterday morning, we were here in prayer. And when we finished prayer, God spoke to me to allow Caleb to speak to us from a perspective that we needed to hear. Caleb, stand up for a second just so everybody understands what I'm talking about. I don't need to say it. If you're blind, okay. But I let a black man share with us for a moment of where things are because we can assume that we know. You can sit back down. I know you feel weird all of a sudden now. We can, you can assume that we know. We can assume that we know, but until we sit down, shut up, and listen, we will never learn a thing. Okay. He said something profound yesterday. And it has shifted my thought process so hard because I want to make T-shirts and hats and everything else that says this statement. America does not equal the kingdom of God. That was the most prophetic, profound declaration I've probably heard in the last 15 years. Because what we have done is equated the church to America. Uh -uh. That's wrong. Because if the church is America, we're doomed. The church is supposed to be the kingdom of God. And we're supposed to be aliens to this world. We're supposed to be a different place that the world can go and find God, not find more of the world. And so when he said that, I went, oh my God, why have we not said this yet? Stop equating the church to America and become the kingdom of God where we love one another, we love love each other as ourselves, where we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors even when it sucks, even when it hurts, even when it's not comfortable. Did you get that? Listen, it's not okay for you to say the word, the N-word, and it ain't okay for your friends to say the N-word, and you stand up for righteousness, and you stand up for injustice, and you speak truth, and you bring the word and you say this is what god says sidebar sidebar enough the church is gone because we're still separated and segregated no pastor i'm not a racist can i just say one more thing god you're not gonna like me today if you have to tell somebody you're not a racist you're a racist I told my wife this. I've never said it one day in my life. I've never told one soul that I'm not a racist. Not one person. Not one person. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. If you got to tell them that, then you're trying to cover up what you really are. Because if you have to declare that from your mouth, then you don't declare the word. You declare it. So in other words, I'm going to live it, and I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to show it constantly. And so no one could ever look at me and go, well, I think you are. Oh, really? Come here. Let me show you something. Because I live this experience, I don't just talk this experience. And then I'm going to say this to you for a second because I've been listening to it, and I've been hearing about it, I'm sick of it. Come on. Yeah. Caleb, you, you can check me right here if you choose to. White folk in the room, stop apologizing and change. Come on, Bring change and demonstrate change and watch the world change. Yeah. Amen. Why do we keep talking about it? Because until we until it stops, it has to be talked. Yeah. We can't just go for it for one week and then back off and be like, oh, it's all good now. No, 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 no. No, this is the this is the conversation of the hour. Yeah, right. But this is destroying the church. Look, work, look, deal with the city you live in. There are black churches, there are white churches, there are Hispanic churches. They're all separate. We can't mend you know what I love? I got a Brazilian family in the back. I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> they know I don't speak Portuguese. But th- this is what heaven looks like. And I pray every week that, God, you would give us a better glimpse of what heaven looks like in this house. Y'all remember that old song? Jesus loves the little children. Red and yellow, black and white. They're a Not in southeast Louisiana. And at some point, we got to get over ourselves long enough so that the church can be revived so that it can begin to look like heaven and not look like separatists and segregationists. And it's got to not be, well, it's not my job. No, it's all of our jobs. It's all oh, just pastor's job. No, it's all of our jobs. Yeah. We've got to let the love of God change us yeah. from the inside out so that we can demonstrate it to the world. So when they, when they look at us, they don't see me. They see God in me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sidebar. I don't even know where I am in my message now. <laughs> where are the ones that will stand up for injustice while standing in righteousness? Where are the ones that love their neighbors as themselves rather than find fault because they're not like them or don't look like them? Where have the worshipers gone? Where are the prayer warriors gone? Where are the saints of old? I'm going to say this. I told you, buckle your seatbelt. Where are the saints of old who should be helping birth the next generation of believers? Change page. Why aren't the altars filled with new believers who are touched by the presence and power of God? Why have we moved the seats all the way up to the altar and removed the space of the altar? I've been to so many churches where literally the chairs are like right there. First of all, that would be really uncomfortable to sit right there with me standing up here. Wow, it's like sitting on the front row at the movie theater, which all of y'all, if you go and do that, that's ridiculous. Look at this movie. This is great. This is awesome. It's so wonderful. Pastor, after church, can you pray for my neck? I think it's stuck. We have eliminated the altar space in the church because we don't want real change. We just want to speak opinions. We're not bringing people to Jesus. We're bringing people to our shows. We're bringing people to our spotlights. We're bringing people... Okay. Why aren't the altars filled with new believers? Why are we making followers of man instead of disciples of Christ? He said when the Holy Spirit came on us, we would be witnesses for Christ in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit came on us, we would become what? Witnesses, not attenders. Not seat sitters. Not room soakers. Not Just people who just bench warmers. No, he said, we become doers of the word, not just hearers. He said, we'd be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And unfortunately, in today's church, we can't even reach our neighbor. Why isn't the church full in this hour? Better yet, why are there empty seats in this room? Oh, but pastor, you know, like, is it really marvelous? Yes. It's kind of like this. If you had the cure to cancer, Right, you had to cure the cure to cancer. You had it was a pill form. It was a cure to cancer. Would you hoard it? You know, unfortunately, some of us would try to sell it because we want to get rich rather than save lives. Or would you freely give it, knowing that it could change them? If the word of God has changed you, why is it not more powerful enough to change them? And why are we not giving it away? Is it afraid? Is it because we're afraid that if we give it to somebody else, they might come in and take our place? You don't have a place in the church. You have a place in the kingdom of God. Stop acting like you own a chair. Stop acting like you own the building. You don't. This is a building. This building will go, but the word of God and the kingdom of God will never fade. You have a position in the kingdom. When we get to heaven, is God going to go, "Hey man, you did a real good job holding that seat," or is He going to say, "Hey man, thank you for taking the gospel and giving it away to those who are in need"? Thank you for reaching my kids. Thank you for declaring the kingdom to them. Thank you for showing them that I am truly the way, the truth, and the life. Where is the church going? Last week, we started the most important element, the most overlooked and underrated source that God has given each of us. We talked about the Word of God. And I told you that 99% of your problems are word problems, not some kind of math equation, but a lack of the Word of God in us. The church no longer puts a demand on the Word because we don't even know what's in it. We've been cultured to memorize verses and regurgitate them with, with a, at, at a whim or at a moment's notice without ever understanding its context or even its power. Every answer you need is with you or is it? The first step to, reigniting of the, to the reigniting of the fire of God in the local church is the Word of God. And if you don't believe that, I can't help you. The first step To the reigniting of the church in this hour is that this word becomes the root of everything we live. This is not the secondary space we go to. This is not something we carry to look cute on church on Sunday mornings. I'm going to go to the Christian bookstore and I'm going to buy me a Bible. And here's the problem. I know when it's new because it sounds like this. Because you ain't cracked it yet. That's the funny part. People think, oh, I've had this Bible forever. No, you haven't. And if you have, you ain't opened it yet because I can hear the pages unsticking together while you flipping. Or we do this in the church. Say, "Come on, welcome me for a second. in your book to the Book of John. Where's that Book of John? Where's that Book of John? I gotta find the Book of John. Where's the Book of John? Where's the Book of John? Where's the Book of John? Oh God, I didn't find the Book of John. Let me start over again. Where's the Book of John? 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 I think I saw it. Wait, let me go back. Where's the Book of John? And then I oh, I gotta look at the table of contents. For those that are new believers, table of contents. It's okay. There is no condemnation. For those of you that've been in the church for a while, you should know where the Book of John is. For those of you that are, have been in the church and have been receiving from God and been walking with God, baby, if you don't know where Genesis is, I can't help you. <laughs> Did you know there's a book? I, I was, I was, one time I was like, I, I was in a church service and I said, turn the book to Lamentations. And I heard somebody on the front row say this to me, say this, in the service goes, there's a book called Lamentations? <laughs> I just chose to believe that was their first Sunday. Amen. There's a book called Lamentations. Yes, there's a book called Lamentations. Y'all remember back in the day we used to have sword drills. Y'all remember those? Yeah. Man, we don't even know. It. We don't even know. We don't even know where the Bible is. We we we've got an app that we hit a button and we go, oh, I think that means John. Let me hit that. Oh yeah, that's it. Let me read along it. We're not highlighting it. We're not underlining it. We're not reading it. We're not regurgitating. We're not living it. We're not walking it. We're just reading it for a second and letting it bypass us. And there is a thing called the Word of God that we should be living by, a thing that that's a manual that's been left to us so that we can walk in the things of God. We've been cultured to memorize verses and regurgitate them at a whim without ever understanding. Every answer you need is in it. The Word must be our foundation, and without the Word, the church will be nothing more than a feel-good, and your prayer and supplication will be filled with complaints and begging rather than knowing that the God you serve is faithful unto all generations. When I read this Bible, it doesn't matter what's going on in my body or going on in the world around me. This Word says through every trial and tribulation that God always makes a way of escape. It changes my declaration. It changes my verbiage. It changes what I say in a moment of, sh- of pain and agony. I result to this Word. Could you imagine in the climate of today, if we would just start saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Can I just say this to you? Racism is a byproduct of missing the love of God. Because if you don't have the love of God in you, you will always separate those who do. Another sidebar for you. I ain't even gotten into today's message. Y'all better book your though. Where's the church gone? Where, where have we gone? Over these next few weeks and over the last week and the next few weeks, we're going to continue to rebuild the house. Because I believe that when I'm done with this series, we're going to march forward in something we've never experienced. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. If I haven't convicted you to bring your word yet, I can't win. Amen. The book of Acts chapter 2. Verse 40, if you got it, say, I got it. got it. Hey, you know what? There might be a neighbor next to you that doesn't have a Bible. Go buy him a Bible this week. On. Love on them. Bless them. Hey, man, you know what? I know you didn't have a Bible. I want to buy you a Bible. I want to bring you a Bible. Maybe you need to bring all the Bibles that you've bought. So you can share the word. Amen. On, <sighs> Pastor, why are you so tight today? Well, just buckle your seatbelts. The world's tighter. Why can't the church be? Amen. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 40, it says, if you got it, say, I got it. it. If you don't have it, say, help me, Jesus. Help Help them, fathers. How do you have it and then say, help me, Jesus, at the same time? I don't know. (laughs) Father, pray for the the confliction in their hearts and minds. (laughs) All right. Acts, chapter 2, verse 40, it says, and this is where we were last week. And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Explain to you that even those words written back then speak to the moments that we live in now. Amen. Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, I will say it again, you cannot move forward in the things of God until you choose to gladly receive the word of God. Okay. Okay. You can't go through the elements of moving forward in your walk as a believer if you choose to reject the very foundation that has been laid before you. Here is where we have to pick up for the next part. So say this with me because I want to make sure you're all in one accord with me. Say this with me. Say, speak to me today, Lord. Lord. I'm ready ready to receive. receive. Just look at your neighbor. (laughs) No, you can say look at your neighbor if you want to. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, I'm ready ready to receive. receive. Don't distract me. me. (laughs) Tell your other neighbor they broke out their cell phone while I've been talking and tell them to put their cell phones away. You can balance your bank account after church. Amen. Stop asking where you're going to go eat lunch. There's only a few places you can go anyway. Amen. So well, here's where we're going to sit today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Put your finger on it. Underline it if you want to. I believe in writing in my Bible. That helps me. I highlight, underline, re-underline, triple underline, quadruple underline. Then I run out of space. It says this in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Stop right there. I wanted to go on and continue this verse. But God made me stop. Because he says you cannot go any further from this point. And they continued In the apostles doctrine, there are two parts of this statement that I have seen become a problem in today's church, which is assisted in its misdirection or the emptying of the seats. The first one is the apostles doctrine. And the reason I'm going to the end of the statement before I deal with the front of the statement is because I believe that you always have to start with the leadership, not with the ones that are following. Okay, those that were apostles understood the importance and the weight that purpose and calling carried. They didn't do it to be seen. They just wanted Jesus to be seen. So when they brought the scripture to light, salvation was always the next step. Y'all going to catch me in a minute. Today's doctrine in some places has become nothing more than an encouraging word with no promise. A pat on the backside saying good game while one is placing their foot in the dipping pools of hell. It is not saving or just maintaining. It's not even doing that. The doctrine was to lead them to be a follower of Christ, not a follower of the apostle. But there are those in this hour that are declaring the apostles doctrine, the word of God, who claim the purpose and the calling, but declare the word from a place of opinion or feeling. And I got to speak this. And I know preachers hate when I do this. Because they're like, man, why are you attacking? I'm not attacking. I'm trying to bring correction and change. And God is doing it in me as well to make sure that everything that I bring to this pulpit is studied and learned from him, not from a Google search. Yeah, I've told you this. Do you know that I can pay $75 a year and get every sermon handed to me in a PDF format? And I can walk up here and preach a word to you and you'd think I went and studied it, but I never took a look at it. I can, if I choose to, buy my sermons rather than hear the word of the Lord. And I can, can, it. you go, Pastor, that's a great word. That's a great word. It'll never change you. And here's why. Because I didn't do my part. I didn't go do my part as the shepherd of this house. I didn't go and become the shepherd. I just became another voice in the room bringing dead letter that wasn't even sought at. I remember one time I was telling somebody, They said, how do you prepare for preaching? I said, I go to prayer. How long do you stay in prayer? Until God speaks. Well, that, why do you do that? That's crazy. How, how long do you stay? There's been times where I've been three and four hours in the presence of God, letting Him speak to me and me just writing things out. And then He gives me scriptures. And then I go start studying. And then God gives me a word. And then, yeah, there's times that I'm writing my message on a Saturday night like I pinned this one last night. Why? Not because I waited till the last moment, but because God was still downloading in me what he wanted to speak in this hour. Not what what I wanted to do, but what he wanted to do. And I have to back out of the way. Unfortunately, we are spending too much time preaching words to be relevant to the moment rather than relevant to the people of God so that we can go and do the mission of God. It's like when the pandemic hurt. I was so sick and tired of hearing preachers preach about the pandemic. Shut up. Tell me about the goodness of God in the land of the living. Tell me about the promises that He has for me. Tell me what He needs me to do in this hour. Tell me where He needs me to step up. Maybe this is my moment to get some things corrected on the inside of me so that I can go do what He's called me to do. Yes. Oh, He's so don't want you to be afraid. I'm not afraid, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Pandemic was just a vacation, Jack. Right. It was preparation, it was training. It opened up my eyes to things I had forgotten or or walked away from because I'd become so busy with my own life. Then I started seeing things differently and I realized there was an assignment that I still wasn't accomplishing. And God says, hey, you can do the pastoring, but you gotta love your neighbor too, Brian. Go for a bike ride, Brian. It won't kill you. Take some time and relax, Brian. It won't kill you. It's amazing to me how we will look at certain things and how messages will be preached from pulpits to be relevant. I, I don't want to be relevant. Can I, can I just say this? And I, and I don't mean this to be rude. And I don't want you to take this and run down the street with it. I don't. Hmm. In, the, in the purpose and the calling God has given me. Okay. Watch where I'm going with this. because I need Because I know how this can get misconstrued very quickly. I don't approach this pulpit and this moment without fear and trembling. People ask me all the time, are you nervous? Every Blooming Sunday. Because do you understand that standing in this moment under these lights, I have the power to wield whatever I choose. But I also have the opportunity to be judged doubly for what I do. I remember when Tiff and I first got married and, and I was already a pastor, she goes, babe, like, there's double judgment on us, Jack. I'm like, I know. It's tough. But I have to accept the calling. I don't step into this moment without fear and trembling knowing that I have in this moment, because you see me as your pastor, I have this moment to say something that could just wield you whatever way I choose to. But I also have to go home and deal with God. And trust me, dealing with God is much worse than dealing with you walking out because I preach something stupid. And so I stand in this moment going, God, help me to bring a word to the people. But the problem is is that we're preaching from Thrones rather than pulpits. Like we've become the access to the Father. It's not follow me as I follow myself, it's follow me, but please make sure I'm following God as I'm moving. Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. There are those in this hour that are declaring the apostles' doctrine, who claim the purpose and calling, and the calling, but declare the word from a place of opinion and feeling. In some instances, it's no longer the word of the Lord, but rather the scripture blended to a pureed version of its original intent. It is, watch this. this when I read this, when I wrote this last night, I almost leaped out of my chair. Because God dumped this in my heart. It is whispered from a place of fear of losing likes and relevancy, rather than shouted with excitement, bringing expansion to the kingdom of God. Where has the power gone? Because the pulpit has become a whisper, not a shout. If I won't shout, when will you? If the leadership in the church will not shout to expand the kingdom of God, I don't mean sitting here to scream at you, but shout because it's power. Then why is the church? The church is going quiet because the leadership is going quiet. The church doesn't read the word because the pastor doesn't preach the word. When a pastor can get up at a pulpit and go, hey, today I'm gonna give you five secrets to living healthy. Shut up! I can give you one secret to living healthy. Stop eating stupid. I can give you one secret to to living healthy. McDonald's will kill you. Fast food equals death. I can do that all day. I can give that to you all day, but that's not the word. The word says you're a temple. I can get scripture. It says if you want God to dwell in you, why would you put things in you that Christ, Christ can't dwell in? Okay, sidebar. Swiss word from a place of fear of losing likes, relevancy. I, I, I don't care if you don't want to be my friend on Facebook. Half the people that follow me on Facebook are stalkers anyway. Well, what's Pastor Brian doing? I don't know, and I don't post about what I ate today because I don't want to tell you. Although now that my wife is gone plant-based, life is very different in the Dean household. Like every day, it's a conversation. You're going to go plant-based? You're going to go plant-based? You're going to go plant-based? No. I'm in rebellion. The Lord has not spoken to me. You leave me out of your witchcraft, and I'm going to stay with It's Father's Day. I can get away with that one. Amen. I'm going to come home to a plate full of vegetables. Amen. Hey, I did good the other night. I made zucchini and squash and corn on the grill, and that's all I ate for dinner. Praise the Lord. And then I was like, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm still hungry. Amen. Okay. Going back into 40, verse 42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. First, we've got to correct what's coming from the platform. We've got to correct what's coming from the pulpit. Let me help you with something. The church would stop, Correct. Stop. Stop. the people in the church, the sheep in the church would stop, would stop trying to create micro ministries in the church if the pastor was preaching the doctrine of the apostles okay I need you to understand this there would be no reason to separate the church if most pa- if pastors i won't say this most pastors because there's there's a lot of great pastors in the earth today if some pastors would stop trying to preach their agendas and their feelings this is not a drake song some of y'all know what i'm talking about It's got to come to a point where we declare the gospel and the truth of the word. But there's another point to this. In verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. We've applied the word. We've made it our foundation. The word is now coming from the pulpit. Okay, right. That's what I'm saying. And let me say this to you as a sidebar. If if you feel. Hold on. Oh, I got to be careful. If you feel that I'm not preaching the gospel, apply it first and see if it sticks. If it doesn't stick, then let's talk. I'm going to get into that for a second. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The other part of this scripture that I see is affecting the church today is that they continued steadfastly. Steadfastly means fixed in direction, unwavering, firm in purpose, resolution, and faith. In what? The apostles' doctrine. In other words, the word that was taught. They were fixed in direction, unwavering, firm in purpose, resolution, and faith, persistent in hearing the word of God, but from who? I believe that in this hour, the senior pastor has been assigned to carry the mantle of the apostles to declare the word of God. Now, I'm going to break some theological space for you because this is not popular teaching, okay? The original Greek and Hebrew for the word apostle is not just a declare or a a messenger. It was defined as one of the original 12 that saw the ministry of Jesus firsthand. Okay, I'm really gonna mess with you bad. So can I go as far to say is there are no apostles biblically in the earth today. There is an apostolic anointing, but there is no apostles in the church or in ministry today. So when you walk around with the title of apostle, you would be better to say that I am a pastor who carries an apostolic anointing. And here's why the apostolic anointing exists. The apostles were the father of the early church. In other words, the apostolic anointing is having a father-like spirit unto other ministries. I am not that person. I am a shepherd of the house. I understand what I am. I am a pastor. I am not an apostle. But I believe that the pastor in the house today should be walking and carrying the mantle of the apostle, which was to declare the word of God and to bring about salvation. Okay, am I, am I with you so far? I'm, I keep looking over here, and the only reason I do this is because I've got a guy in the room that understands Jewish culture and knows what the Torah says, and so I look at him for a little bit of amen. Amen. Okay, amen. Okay. <laughs> So just so you know what I'm looking at, that's what I'm looking at, okay? Because I'm getting my feedback right there. All right. So as I'm studying this, God says, Brian, there's no apostles in the earth right now. There are. Watch. Here's how it worked. The prophet birthed the apostle. It spoke what was to come, and the apostle was birthed at the day of Pentecost. Right? Okay. The apostle birthed the preacher, teacher, and evangelist. Those three exist in movement in the earth today. Preacher, teacher, and evangelist. But the apostle gave the assignment. So we are now walking in assignment. So I need you to understand this. When I was 19 years old and decided to become a preacher, that was not an easy choice. I knew what I was taking on, and I knew it was not going to be easy. I knew there was going to be warfare. I knew there was going to be attacks. I knew there was going to be struggles. I knew there was going to be issues. I knew there was going to be sacrifices. I knew that I wasn't going to get everything I wanted out of this life, but I was going to have to sacrifice everything because I was called by God. And you go, but, but why would you do that? Because I couldn't walk away from it. Trust me, I tried, and God kept putting me back in jail, going, you can't run. And I kept going, but God, he said, Brian, I've been talking to you since you were a kid. You just now need you shut up and listen. I knew what I was taking on. But he says, it says in the Bible, said says they steadfastly continued in the apostles' doctrine. Pastors are not apostles. We can have an apost- apostolic anointing, but we cannot be apostles. So can I just for a second shift this word for this moment to bring clarification in this hour? Could this scripture read this way? They were steadfastly, fixed in direction, unwavering, firm in purpose, resolution in faith, hearing and receiving the word of God from their pastor. Now, I'm going to preach a portion of this message that is very uncomfortable for me to preach because I am the pastor. But I'm not speaking to you at just as this church. I'm speaking to the church globally. I'm speaking to the, where the condition of the church is in this hour. At, the, at that hour, the apostles were the pastors of the early church. The people received from them, heard the word of God, and went with expectation that the word was true. And applied it. Unfortunately, today's church hears the word of God. Breaks it apart, overanalyzes it, kicks it out, finds fault in it, goes away, divides the sheep, tries to create their own church or ministry on the backs of those that had been called to carry this purpose in the first place. What do I mean? I mean, church splits. Well, I can do it better. Can I just say this as a sidebar? With all love and all respect to everyone in this room, if you can do it better, go start a church. Don't sit here and tell me you can do it better and don't get up and do nothing. Because that drives me nuts. I've had people look at me for it. We know, Pastor, if I was the pastor. But you're not. You didn't blood, sweat, and tear over this thing. You haven't been up till 3 o'clock in the morning writing sermons. You haven't been praying over 150 people. You haven't been going to the hospitals. You haven't been burying dead people. You haven't walked away from your family at a dinner table going, Sorry, i got to go sit in the ER because one of the sheep is sick. But yet we'll come in and because, because, because for a moment that word that is preached brings up a little bit of flesh and causes it to not be hidden anymore. Oh, nope, that's heresy. Oh, nope, that's not the word of God. I can't follow that preacher. Stop blaming the preacher and ask yourself where you're walking. You go, Pastor, why? Because I think this is killing the church. We come to church and then we sit there and we judge the preacher. We judge the one. If you're going to judge and stay home, there's plenty of preachers on TV you can watch. There's plenty of people you can watch every weekend and say, I went to church. If that's all it is to you, but it's got to be so much more. I don't need you to be an entourage. I don't need you to carry my Bible. I'm perfectly capable. I don't need you to walk me to the bathroom. I don't need you to start my car or fill up my gas, fill up the gas tank in my car. I don't need you to come and carry a towel and wipe my brow. I don't need any of that stupid, foolish garbage. What I need you to do is when I've taken my time to study the word of God, to pray about it, to get on my face before God in order to bring you a word so that it might change your life, so that you might walk in the fullness of God. I need you to walk out of this place and instead of breaking it apart and go, well, I don't agree with this. And I don't I don't agree with that and i don't agree with this and i don't agree with that take that sucker put it in your pocket and invest in it then if you've got questions ask me i will sit down with you pastor you said a b and c i don't understand okay let me bring clarification i can deal with that but to divide the church to to, to break the minute to break the house of god because we are afraid of relinquishing our fleshly desires I have not read the word one time where it was comfortable. Right. Pastor, are you serious? No, because every time comfort comes, there's always change. You got to do this before this. Yeah. But God, I want this. Well, you better do this first. Yeah. But God, I don't want to do it. Then you can't have this. Same difference in my kids. You want allowance? You better clean your room. I can have my allowance You clean your room. No, you can't have allowance. But we want to treat God as if we can do it. There's a, there's a struggle in the church today where we where we well, okay okay watch. Not you, and I'm going to clarify this again, because I don't want people to get offended. I don't want to, I don't want to create a, a schism in you with this. But there is a -- I talked about it yesterday, there's this thing called in the church I like to call parishioner pride. It is the full-grown sheep who refuse to be sheared. Hmm. Sheep that won't get sheared or won't allow themselves to be sheared will die of a heart attack. They overheat. They're just in the room. But they claim because they've been in church for so long that they have arrived. But yet they bring nobody to church with them. They don't bring their brother to the house of God. They don't bring their brother to the family of God. They hoard them to themselves and call it ministry. I go back to that song I sang last week. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God not the small group of your house space that's in the confines of what you want to tell me, but that we are trying to build and expand the kingdom of God and the family of God. And for if we ever get in the space where we believe, and I'm going to get more into that next week, but that we believe that this, there's, this, there's this danger, there's a danger right now that, I heard this the other day, that the house church is going to overtake the big church. And according to the book of Acts, they both have to exist. They both have to exist. You cannot have one without the other. But the reason that people are saying that they want the house church to exist and the big church to die is because it's easier to get you in the confines of my own space and environment to tell you what I want you to hear rather than us grow together as a family. Okay. They were steadfastly continuing in the apostles' doctrine. At that hour, the apostles were the pastors of the early church. The people received them, heard the word of God, and went with expectation. They applied it. They didn't go and divide the sheep. They didn't go and break up the church. They didn't look for the wrong. They received the word of the Lord. They operated in one accord and supported the one that was called to minister to them. Before you think I'm talking about you in this house, I'm not. But I'm speaking to the global church as a whole. This is a detriment that has robbed the church. There is a problem that's crept in. It has divided, broken, and destroyed churches, ministries, and even pastors and their families. If you want my wife and I to sit on a stool right now and tell you all the stories, we can. Of people that have come, that we've poured our lives into, that we've loved. And the moment we preached a gospel that they didn't like, they walked out the door and stole people with them. People that we poured into for years and gave up our lives for walk out and just destroy us because we preach the word. And it's uncomfortable because they can't live in the sin that they want to live in. I've had to watch people that I care about, that I love, that I, that I believe in, walk out the door and say, it's you. And then I have to go to my prayer closet and ask God, God, where did I fail? God, where did I go wrong? God said, you did. You preached my word. They just didn't want to receive it. They didn't reject you. They rejected me. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you in to what happens behind the scenes when the lights go off and I go home and sit on the couch and I think about the things that are happening around me. We could sit here and talk about the struggles of a pastor. We could talk about the things that we deal with. We could talk about the time that we have to give up. This problem is the inability to receive, be led, pray for, and support the person and the purpose and the calling of the pastor. We don't, listen, the church today does not in in large scale, support its pastor and trust that that is the one that has been called to lead them in this hour. They come in with judgmental eyes waiting for them to screw up. They walk around going, he see, he or she is just a wolf in sheep's clothing, but yet they will hide their own wolf tendencies. It is a make, yes. Do pastors make mistakes? My God, yes. But here's the thing. When you make a mistake or people make a mistake, everybody wants the pastor to pray. But when the pastor makes a mistake, the church goes, look, there he goes. Let's leave. And we're left to go to the confines of the dark room and wonder how we're going to come out because the church wants the pastor to lead, but the church won't lead. I go, where do we do next? If you think I'm standing here before you and I have never contemplated quitting, you're wrong. Probably more than I can put on two hands. Because the weight is heavy. The weight is heavy. And the church has to decide, if I am called to this family, will I receive the word of the Lord? Or will I reject it? See, baby, if you receive the word of the Lord, then you'll receive me. This issue has created great divide in the church. And in all honesty, this is the one we struggle with the most. Do you know most pastors quit because people leave? Because the spirit of rejection comes on them and crushes them? You want to talk about rejection, abandonment, or an orphan spirit in the church? Check, talk to your pastor about it. Because there is nothing harder than to look at someone's face for years and watch them smile at you. And then one day watch them walk out the door because they have chosen to feed at someone else's table. And we've always talked to Kirk and I've always talked about this. If I'm preaching heresy, run. (laughs) If I'm preaching against the word, run out the door and don't look back. Please, because this thing's going to crumble and die. But if it's the word, stay in it. Amen. Enjoy the water. Yes. Feed at the table. And let's grow together. Amen. Pastors don't need a that boy We need love and respect for the purpose and mandate that God has given us to declare the gospel. To lead those who choose to walk with God and to reach those that are far from Him. We need the sheep to go and apply the word that is preached before it's overanalyzed and torn apart because it caused a little bit of flesh to come out of hiding. We need the sheep to stop going and undoing years of tears, love, and prayers that have been poured out for other sheep in the pasture in order to create division and attention. How can the church take its place if we're so quick to tear down the ones that God placed over us? And when I when I when I get into that statement right there, the word "over us," most people in the room go, "Anybody over me? I'm grown. Anybody over me?" Well, let me give you some scripture to help you with that real quick. Because the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17, and just in case you were wondering, that's New Testament, not Old Testament. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Let me give you one more just for sidebar, 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 17. I read through a list yesterday of about 30 of them. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. How can we apply the word from someone we will not receive from? Today's church is so quick to look for and call out the mistakes of the pastor, and it's killing the church. What happened to the steadfast church who continued together in one accord in the word that was declared? We should come together under the covering of the word. We should come in as a blank canvas ready to receive the word and the one who has studied, prayed, and sought the face of God to bring that word. We should always have room to grow even if we think we've already heard this word before. This will allow God to speak something fresh in our lives. Listen, I encourage you to study the word for yourself. In fact, the Bible says to study, to find thyself approved. You should be reading and allowing the revelation, the rhema of God, to speak to your heart and soul. But we must stop dividing the house You're not always going to like what I preach. You're not. There are going to be days I come in and I preach something like this. You're like, I don't feel blessed. I don't feel happy. I wanted to leave happy. I wanted to be happy. Great. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, I just wanted him to tell me how blessed I was going to be if I just came to church. You're not going to be blessed for coming to church. You're going to be blessed living for God. See, see I, I, this is, I, I just wish he'd be a little more light-footed. I'll have my funny moments, but not every moment's a funny moment. Jesus loved people and flipped tables. Paul, thank God I'm not Paul. Y'all be running out the door. We're all going to hell. Help me, Jesus. But the truth be told is, is that if I approach this moment with the space of I'm trying to make you my friend, then I'll never be your pastor. Two elements, tonight, and that's where I'm done. Ben, you can come on. Pastor, that's all you're giving? Yep, that's all I'm giving you today. Go home and think about it. Pray about it. Seek on it. People have come to me over the years and said, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. This has been my always my question. I said, yeah, I, I do things like what they call exit interviews with people. They, they said they're going to leave the church. Those are the ones who choose to tell me. Some people just walk right out the door. I'll tell you that other sidebar in a minute. But I said, hey, man, can we, can we get together? Can we just talk? Sure. And and I've had people tell me they're leaving the church because I believe in praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. Can't throw that part out of my Bible. Can't chuck that part out. I've had people tell me they're leaving because they think I'm too loud. I can understand that. A little too excited for them. I've had people tell me that they're leaving the church because they don't agree with how I lead the church. But yet they leave the church and they never go to another church. They just leave the church which tells me that's just a rebellious spirit and they'd rather be the chief of their own kingdom rather than allow anyone to speak into their lives. I've had people leaving and I said, okay, let me ask you a question. I said, since you've been here, has God touched you? Oh, Pastor, God's been amazing. Have you grown? Man, I've grown so much. Then why are you leaving? And it's usually because well, the, 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 the building looks cooler or the Kids' church is more, ooh. But here's the one thing I won't do. I will not sacrifice the gospel for popularity. I won't do it. I know, I know, and I'm going to say this to you verbally out loud. I am not the popular preacher. I'm not. Thank you, I appreciate that. I'm just not. I'm going to say what needs to be said, because at the end of the day, when this race is over, I have to. St- I have to stand before God, look okay, dead in the face, and not say a word, but wait to hear those words. Well done a good and faithful servant. I cannot go to heaven and God go, Brian, I gave you the opportunity. And you walked them into hell rather than deliver them into heaven. You paid the price on earth, received the benefits of heaven. At the end of this thing, cannot be bound to popularity to likes on social media to likes and whether i'm relevant enough in the moment to make everybody feel good i i can't i've got to declare the kingdom of god and even if it's uncomfortable i have to be willing to do it at the detriment of losing everything even my own life and i think sometimes that's overlooked in the church no one realizes that and then we come together and we go man we're one family we're one church but yet when the pastor steps up and begins to declare the word we begin to judge it and we begin to try to break it down and we begin to try to try to overanalyze and we and we we, we stranglehold the pastor and then the pastor goes home and feels like he's failed you want to know the best thing you can do as a sheep in this house is apply the word walk it it's like you've been putting nails in walls with your palm I hand you a hammer, and then you keep coming back with bloody hands. Like, Did you use the hammer? Well, that's what that was for. Yes. I'm trying to give you the tools that will help you to go to the next level. Don't ignore them. Don't walk away from them. Apply them. And if you struggle with applying them, don't get mad at me. Ask God why you struggle applying them. Somebody said, how can, Pastor, how can we bless you? What can we do? Somebody asked me that. Pastor, how can I bless you? Ah, here's a great one. Come to church. Pastor, how can we bless you? Apply the word so I don't have to keep counseling you. You'd be amazed how many counseling sessions I've had for the message I preached the Sunday following. Or the Sunday before. If you're watching, if you're in this room, and I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying this for the church globally. Receive the word of the Lord. And if you don't think it's the word of the Lord, then go somewhere where you can get it. Because I promise you, I am not up here giving my opinions. If that was the case, I'd be preaching a really cute message. I want you to grow in the things of God. I want you to be better than you've ever been. I want you to outlive everything I expect or believe for, for you. I want you to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in your coming. I want to celebrate victories, and I want to hold you when you're worn out. But I don't want to just be something you grab a hold of when you don't know what else to do. I want you to trust that when my wife and I come to you, we're coming with the word of the Lord. And I'm going to say this, don't judge me by the color of my skin or my past. And I've got a big one. I am who I am today because of the things that I have walked through. I will not apologize for what I've done. I will not recant what I've been through. I will not throw away my moments of mistakes because it is in those moments that God has met me. You know when ministry was birthed for me? In a jail cell. 27 men in one night. I got to share the word of the Lord with. And my prayer before I fell asleep was, God, I don't know what to do. And I woke up that night being shaken by another inmate going, dude, how do you sleep in the middle of this? And I started sharing the gospel with him, and I started declaring that he was your peace, and I started praying with him. And then all of a sudden, people after man after man after man, there was a line outside of my cell, and I was laying in a cot, and all I did was just kept preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word. I watched Muslims go put down their books. I watched, I watched, I watched people walk away from what they thought. I, I watched them grab a Bible and go sit in their jail cells and read, and God says, see, this is what I've called you to do, but it will cost you everything. When we come into this house, you should come with expectation that whatever is going to be delivered from this platform is the word of the Lord. Don't go, I hope it's the word of the Lord. If you hope, stay home. You're doing yourself a disservice and this house a disservice. Come here with expectation as I've come to hear the word of the Lord and I trust the one that is going to deliver that word. And we are going to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and become the Acts church in one accord. And if you are concerned or confused, do not call other sheep and have discussions. Call me. Sit down with me. Pastor, I don't understand. And give me the opportunity to bring clarification. Don't assume that you know what I did in my study time. I was talking with Robert in the back earlier before service, and I said, it's amazing to me what I've read about the apostles and what I've been studying. It's so contrary to what we've been teaching in the church for years. And I asked him, I I, I, I threw a curveball, Pastor Robert, I said, said, what's the definition of apostle? And he said to me, he goes, depends on which one you want to grab a hold of. (laughs) That's what we've done. We've just grabbed a hold of. I hope and pray that every time you come into this house, you feel the word of the Lord as much as I feel it. And that you'll be willing to go apply it even if you don't understand. Go and try it. You might like it. It's like trying to say, hey, pray in the Spirit. I don't I do do pray. I don't pray in the Spirit. I don't pray in Spirit. I don't pray in the Spirit. Then all of a sudden you try and you're like, ooh, that was fun. Can we do that again? Yeah, why not? It's amazing to me. Hey, go fast. I hate fasting. I can't stand fast. I'm not going to fast. I'm never going to fast. And you wonder why you still struggle. He says, pray and fast. But yet we'll ignore it because we don't want that peace. And the pastor says, fast. I'm not fasting. pastor can, pastor can starve himself, but I ain't doing that. In August, I'm calling another 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of y'all did our January 21 days of prayer and fasting with me? Did Did you receive anything out of it? Did I do it for my own benefit? No, I didn't do it for me. Trust me, you think I wanted to give up stuff for 21 days? No, I did not. My flesh was like, stop. But God gave me a mandate for the house. And then he told me, you'll do this twice a year. And we'll do another one in August. And I hope and pray that you'll receive the word of the Lord that says, we are being called to a corporate fast as a family. So that we can see that next phase, that next level in God, in our own lives and in us as a family. I encourage you to make sure that what's being delivered is the word of the Lord. But please, do not kill the messenger in the process. And we will continue to rebuild the house again. And I know there are pastors that will watch this later because I know there's some that watch. Share this word with your church. They need to hear it. And if you're a church member that's watching, you need to love your pastor. You need to pray for your pastor. You need to support your pastor. And you two can walk hand in hand together until the end comes. Everybody stand to your feet. Real quick, right in this moment, you go, Pastor, how do you go from here? How do you have an altar call? It's real easy. If there's sin in your life, raise your hand and say that's me. I got sin in my life. It's real easy. It's real easy. I got sin in my life. I need to get it out. I'm tired of being a sinner. I'm ready to live this thing straight up, run after God with everything I got. You raise your hand, get to the altar, move right now. There are some of you right now, under the sound of my voice, that are arguing with whether or not there's sin in your life. If you're arguing with there's sin in your life, you got sin. Get to the altar. Because you know whether you're in sin or saved. You know. Last week, 32 people came to the altar. Said they wanted to leave sin behind. This morning, another crew's up here saying, I'm ready to leave sin behind. When the apostles' doctrine was preached, salvation was always on the table. Always on the table. Always on the table. No matter what was preached, it brought them to their knees. It brought them to the cross. You're at this moment because I need the cross. Good. I'm glad you're here. Here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, these people behind you are going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray with you. And we're going to see heaven celebrate. We're going to feel the celebration of heaven. For those of you that received this last week, I'm so proud of you. But now it's your moment to pray for those that stand up here today. Because this is what should happen in the church every single week. The word should be preached. Salvation should come. The word should be preached. Salvation should come. The word should be preached. Salvation should come. Why? Because that's how the church of God is expanded. That's how the kingdom dynamic is birthed. Here's the great part. You're standing up here and you go, Pastor, I got sin, and, and, I, and I, don't like, I don't like my sin. Good. Leave it behind. Stop picking it up. Stop playing with it. It's fire. It's going to burn you. If you know it's fire and you know it's hot, stop touching it. Leave it behind. And here's the great part. When you put it down, God doesn't go, see, 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 you're a sinner. God celebrates. goes, man, finally. They put it down. Now I get great life with them. Now they'll be mine and I'll be theirs and we'll walk hand in hand. So here's what's happening right now in heaven because I can feel it in my spirit. What's happening in heaven is there are angels standing around a hole in the clouds going, God, do you see what's happening? God, God, do you see it? He goes, Oh, I know I see what happened. My word was declared this morning. And anytime my word is declared, people always get saved. People always walk away from sin. So watch what's happening. And God's God's going, man, this, this is the moment I've been waiting for, man. This I've been I've been I've been man, I've been waiting for this moment. I knew it was gonna come. I knew it was gonna come. I knew it was gonna come. And heaven, heaven, the sound is starting to rumble and trumpets are starting to blow and angels are starting to shout. And why are they shouting? They're shouting over you right now in this moment. They're they're declaring over you in this morning. There's a celebration, and you go, No, there's not, I can't hear it. Listen, tune your ear in for just a second. You're looking for the shouts of the crowd, and I'm talking about the shouts of heaven. Heaven is rejoicing. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one that chooses Christ. One. Well, if there's 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 that stand right here, what do you think that party sounds like right now? Man, if that doesn't get you pumped, I don't know what does. So I celebrate you. I celebrate you. It takes guts. At the same time, it takes humility to say, I'm a sinner who needs a savior. So church, will you stretch your hands to those that are standing up here? And if you're standing at this altar, will you lift both hands as high as they'll go for just a moment? This is not a sign of the church. This is a sign of surrender. This morning, your flesh is under arrest. Your flesh is under arrest right now. Your sin has to submit itself to the throne room of God. And what you're doing right now is surrendering yourself, saying, God, I give you me. So say this with me. Say, God, this morning, I choose a Savior over sin. Father, help me to receive the free gift of salvation. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful ways. And I ask you to live in my heart. Fill those voids. Fill those spaces. God, I do not want to be a sinner any longer. I want to be saved by grace. Today, I received this gift. I turn away and I march forward in the calling, and the purpose that you have for my life. I believe that Jesus died on an old rugged cross. He was placed in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, He rose from the dead. And one day will return. Jesus is my Messiah. I declare it. I decree it. And today, by the blood of Jesus I am set free from the sins of my past I will no longer look back but I will press on towards the mark of the high calling which is in Christ my Lord and Savior I did this last week, but i got to do it again. Standing up here at the altar, turn around and look at your family. Now watch. Hold on. These people that are looking at you right now will never abandon you or reject you. They won't walk away from you. If the love of God is in them, they will love you with the love of God. Red, yellow, black, and white, we will love each other. That's what the house is about. That's what this family is about. So from this day forward, you will never be alone. You are not subjected to be isolated. You are, That orphan spirit dies. You are bound to a family that is running after the things of God. Don't ever say you're alone in this. You now have inherited one of the greatest families in this area, in this region, in this state, I think in this nation. Let's go and do this thing together. Look back at me one more time. You're standing up here. In just a moment, the altar team's going to come. If you need more prayer, they're ready to receive you. But here's what I'm going to ask. In a moment, I'm going to ask you not to run away if you've come to this altar. Because this is part of the new shifting that's happening in the church. We believe, we believe, we believe that once the word is gladly received and once repentance comes, the next step is baptism. Y'all better get ready. Y'all better get ready. Okay, so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to hang here for a second because the usher, the, uh, the the team has little clipboards they want to fill out. Pastor Robert, if you want to go ahead and start moving the team forward. We just need you to fill out your information real quick. We're going to follow up with you this week. Pastor, I don't know if I want to do it. Trust me, you might like it. It's kind of fun. It's kind of amazing. It kind of will change everything. But I want to challenge you to fill out this form, and then we're going to take this from you. We'll follow up with you after this week, after today. But we want to get you moving forward in the things of God, not forward in the moment, forward in the things of God. What comes next? Baptism. What comes after that? Making sure that your heart's whole. What comes after that? Discipleship. Oh, here it comes. Receive them, grow them, send them out. We're going to change the city for the glory of God. We're going to do it as a family. Stay up here and receive that. Let me pray a prayer of you as you go out of this place. Father, I thank you for, well, let me do this real quick. Your father, wave your hand at me real quick. Your father, wave your hand at me. Thank you for being a father. Coming from a kid that didn't necessarily have a physical father. I had a grandfather who was great, but I didn't have a dad that was consistent. Thank you so much for accepting the responsibility of being a father. If you got a dad, tell him you love him today. Tell him how much you appreciate him today. And if you don't say it, then don't be a kid no more. Dad, can you pay for this? No, you didn't tell me Happy Father's Day. Love him, honor him, respect him. And if you haven't called your daddy in a while, call him today. Trust me, they need to hear how much you love him. Even if you don't agree, just love him. That's what we should do with the love of God. Thank you so much for being father i thank you what you've done in this house yet again yet again father you've moved yet again you've spoken yet again lives have been changed let again yet again salvation has fallen and father today more are added to the house more are added to the kingdom of god and we thank you for it father we will continue steadfastly in the doctrine in the word of god And we will do it together, Father. We thank you for today. We thank you for what you've done in this house. We give you praise for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Go eat some food. Take a rest. Whatever you got to do. And we will see you all this week.